Hello and welcome to Bygones, the Ali McBeal Rewatch Podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. I'm Eleanor Parker. And we here at Bygones. <laughs> we here, right here, we right the, now. We the people uh, <laughs> rewatch every episode of Ali McBeal through 2019 eyes. Yeah. And we are almost at the end, oh this is God, the, the finish line. episode of <laughs> season two. Finish line is in sight. Yes. Didn't we do that last season? We did. I cannot remember. I think we did. I do remember doing this slow motion running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're nearly there, guys. We've nearly got to the end of the second year of Bygones. Yeah, I know. Crazy. And the second season of Animal Beal. Crazy. It's amazing. Thank you for staying with us for this long. I know. Well done. <laughs> Kudos. Congrats. Yes. Okay, so <clears throat> we are today talking yep. about episode 22 of season two. All the trees. Love's Illusions. Yeah. It's Love's Illusions. Is that a song? What song is that? Don't know. What song is that? What is that? It's both sides now, which is in the episode. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah, yeah. Jenny Mitchell. I love that song. Oh, right. I didn't realise that was a lyric from that song. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. It's great. I love that song. Vonda's got her eye on the ball. She has. Well done, Vonda. So... Love's Illusions first aired 17th of May 1999. Okay. <laughs> we interrupt this program for Eleanor's cultural stuff. Brought to you by the 90s. The decade more problematic than it looks. UK number one. Yes. The artist is. Not Westlife then. Not Westlife. Okay. Another boy band. Boys then? No. Five? No. Think uh, across the pond. Backstreet Boys? Yes! Oh! Show me the meaning. No. no. Um, 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 what's the one where they're in the airport hangar? I wanted that way. Tell me why it ain't nothing but a heart. Tune. What a tune! What a tune! I Banger. love that, and that video is hilarious as well. With them in the hangar, and yeah. it's all like the wearing white. Yeah, and, yeah. Doesn't it like they like shift in yes. between outfits? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the, it. yeah, yeah. Like morph. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are they in the rain at some point? I feel like they're in the rain at some I point. I mean, you were the Backstreet Boys mega fan in our house. I was. I was less Backstreet Boys. More E seventeen. <laughs> I've got that on a t-shirt. Less Backstreet Boys, more E17. But yeah, great. Amazing. Excellent boy band. Great. Nostalgia. Great stuff. Um, the US number one is still Ricky Martin with Live and Love the Loca. And her skin's the colour of mocha. <laughs> what a line. Live and Love the Loca. Come on. <laughs> Come on, come on, come on, love me! Come on, come on, come on, love me! 
What great karaoke Bang we've got it. going on yeah, today. I know. These are great songs. Okay. So, on to more, uh, on a more serious note, mm. uh, remember a few, remember, a couple of episodes remember, ago. Remember, remember. <laughs> oh, I need to be serious. Cool. Yeah. Jill Dando got brutally murdered oh. on her doorstep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to sober me up. It's that, yeah. Yeah, so, on the 18th of May, BBC's Crime Watch programme broadcasts a reconstruction oh, of her they? murder. I forgot they did that. And the show opens without its usual titles and music. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I get that they... Quite much was doing what it does, yeah. which is, you know... Reenact crimes in the hope of jogging people's memories. memories to get leads Tip. on crime. How successful has that show been in, like, catching creeps? I think they can be these types of shows. Definitely, I don't know that. I don't know. Like, I, any... just, I guess I'm trying to judge the line between it being gratuitous versus yes. actually performing a. I actually, so I don't. I can't think of any time that has happened in Britain, though it might have. But there have definitely been times in America, right? Um, where shows like Crime Watch have helped generate the tip that helps them catch the, the criminal. So I just Googled the Crime Watch success rates. Um, there was a. Uh, it's been going. Well, this article's in the BBC from 2017, and it's been going at that point, it'd been going for 33 years. Um, wow. Apparently. Oh, so we've mentioned this case before the Jamie Boulder case. Yeah. They showed the CCTV of the boys leading him away from the right. um, shopping centre. After they showed that footage on Crime Watch, the boys were identified, and that's what led wow. to because they didn't know who it was. Oh wow! Um, Sarah Payne, do you remember she was yeah. disappeared? She was eight years old. She disappeared in two thousand. Yeah. Remember that? Um, and it was sixteen days until her body was discovered, which was really sad. But they Crime Watch did two appeals, um, and in both rounds, Roy Whiting was named as a prime suspect, and it was him who was ended up being convicted of the murder. Wow. Okay. So there's a there's a few and it, high profile, high profile cases ones that wow. went down. Yeah. So yeah, I like I said, I hadn't heard of any British for. Um, examples but clearly there are there are others on that yeah. article which i can put in our show notes if you want to read it and it does mention jill dando but i won't say anything because you're about to talk about that well literally that's all i had I, so what <laughs> okay well i'll bring that so back. please go, go back to what it says because um, that's all i have <laughs> the show opens with its usual titles and music and so there. it said that um for all of crime watch's success stories there are still cases that remain unsolved um and perhaps none as closely linked to the show as that of jill dando so mm. they featured that case on the show um and it says the local man well, actually, it doesn't say that... Hmm, this is the thing. This this example doesn't say that the show helped to convict the man, Barry George, who was um, sentenced to life imprisonment, who was later... Acquitted. Acquitted. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't say the show helped to do that. It just said that it featured on the show. So I don't think that's a very good example, the BBC, of um, no. some <laughs> great for Crime Watch. But, um, no. yeah, there are some others on there which I can't be bothered to go into. Right yeah. Now, but I'll leave the link in the But certainly, I I remember um, hearing about uh, a, a case in America where a man 
killed his entire family and left mm. their bodies in the house oh, and then literally just ran away mm. um, and managed to restart a new life in another state. Gosh. And basically this this crime like years later he he'd managed he managed to get away with murder quite literally yeah. he murdered his children murdered his wife Isn't that amazing um and gotten away with it by skipping to another state and changing yeah. his name and all this kind of thing he got remarried wow um and literally this this cold what was a cold case was on a similar program yeah. and they'd done like an artist because it had been years they had to do like an artist sketch up of what they think he would look like now yeah and literally a next door neighbor to him in his like new life oh wow was like isn't that amazing that's fucking joe blogs next door like yeah. and called the tip line and they caught him oh, thank god yeah uh, okay so so it that is interesting can, yeah, I, yeah it can definitely yield like results okay but yeah, how fucking strange to be someone that works on that show and having to do a reconstruction of your colleague's Colleague. murder. Yeah, with Jill. Yeah, it's yeah, no, so awful. Nineteenth of May, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace is released. Oh my god, I still haven't seen that. <laughs> no, uh, no, I don't think I ever. I had. remember it being huge when it came out, but I'd never seen any Star Wars at that point, and I was not at all interested in watching it. No, I wasn't. I have since watched the episode four and I think episode five and then the new ones that have been coming out. Yes, I've watched the new ones and I think I've seen, yeah, I think similar to you, a couple of like the ones from that time. The 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not the 70s, the 90s. No, I'm talking about episode four. See, I get confused as to what's what. So, yeah, I've seen... It was four, five, six, and then one, two, three in the 90s were the prequels. And then, yeah. Yeah, so I think I've I've seen the original trilogy. I've seen... I think I've seen the last two of, like, one, two, three. Right, and two and three. Yeah, and now I've seen, like, all the... No. I've only seen um, the 90s ones, um, like, if they've come on in, like, a hotel room or something and they happen to be on TV, and I just sit, and I remember being like, Jesus Christ, the CGI, this is terrible, <laughs> I'm never watching this, yeah, um, but yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I believe there are mixed feelings about that, that trilogy, yeah. Um, 21st of May is uh, the funeral of Jill Dando. Um, It's held in her hometown of Western Supermare. Mm -hmm. And although the service itself is private, footage is relayed to a crowd gathered in the town's uh, Ellensborough Park East. Aww. Yeah, so... That's Jill Dando's. Gosh, I still can't believe (sighs) I don't know what happened. I know. I know. It's it's incredibly sad for... The people left behind. So, Annie McBeal. Let's get on to lighter things. Yes, so, right, we open. Annie is asleep. It's the morning time and she wakes up with a start because the opening bars of Addicted to Love come on. Which, which is, like, is another banger. We got right, Can I just say, not only with the cultural stuff like um, number one, yeah. they're so many great songs yeah. in this episode. This episode's good. It's really wonderful. Check out our Spotify playlist. 
<laughs> but the opening bars of Addicted to Love come on and she silences them by whacking her alarm clock. Might as well. No, it doesn't get to the doesn't get uh, to the singing bit. It's just sorry. literally the music. It's like the first. And she's like, nope. Okay. And then she reluctantly pulls her covers off. Yeah. And she sits up. And then we get like this flashback of little kid Ali waking up from her bed and her mum calling her. And you can hear her mum like off shot somewhere being like, Ali, your breakfast is getting cold. And mm. kid Ali is like, I'm coming. And she's like, you're going to be late for the fair. But then back in the real time world, like real life, Renee's... <laughs> voice is heard shouting at Back in the real time world. (laughs) Back in like this reality. Uh, Renee's voice is heard shouting at Ali being like, you're going to be late for court. And Ali's like, I said I'm coming, Renee. And she kind of shakes her head. Then she's in the bathroom and she's brushing her teeth when she can hear the distant sounds. It's like echoey of addicted to love happening. And like two echoey girl voices in her head arguing over playing the guitar and who's got the microphone Mm. and And, like this continues like this squabbling in her head until Ali walks back to her bedroom and when she gets there she sees her flashback as though it's real like happening in her her actual room and it's her and two of her friends as teenagers singing along to Addicted to Love on the TV and they're kind of what? Can I just say, including an actress who played Amanda, one of the potentials in Buffy. Oh, really? Yeah, I spotted her straight away. I was like, that's Amanda! Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Ali, uh, the girls are just having fun and, like, messing around with this song and, like, pretend mm. playing karaoke and stuff. And Ali, like, real Ali, like, this this century Ali, is, like... <laughs> slowly goes to a crouch in a crouching position in the doorway and the girl's voices kind of fade out as we see real-time Ali's bedroom from above and she's just holding her head in her hands like crouching yeah and then it goes to titles yes so things are not well in Ali's head no things are a bit things have escalated (laughs) I feel yes um so after titles Ali's in court with John and she's listening to a witness on the stand be questioned by um, the other side. Um, and the, the guy on the stand kind of sounds a bit echoey, so as if to indicate that Ali's she's not really trouble. concentrating yeah. and staying, like, present. In the present. Yeah. Um, and the man's sort of saying, like, we had a great marriage, uh, sorry, a great engagement, a great wedding, and I thought we had a great marriage, but then I discovered her diary on the computer. Um, at first I just thought it was some stuff from the internet, but then I read on and it was a series of love letters going back 11 years from before we got married. Um, and um, it's, they've been married for two years. And the, the opposing counsel is questioning about the letters. And John gets up to be like, Your Honour, I have to renew all of my objections. And the judge in this case is Judge Walsh, Walsh again. again. <laughs> and it's like, Mr. Cage. And John's like, Massachusetts is a no-fault no state. Now the content of these letters. And Walsh is like, this isn't a divorce proceeding counsel. It's a criminal trial for fraud. And I was like, oh, is this to explain to the audience how this is different from last yes, week? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I enjoyed this little... Uh, exposition but yeah. John is like which is another one of my objections when I said all I meant that one too to haul this into a criminal courtroom and Judge Walsh is like look you've noted your objection several times to the record sit down unless you want to object to the hardness of the chair <laughs> and John smiles and he knows whistles and he sits down 
the opposing counsel asks their client, Mr. Philbrick, like, why they feel criminally defrauded. And it turns out he thinks that she married him for her money because at the time she did, she got married, she didn't love him. She wasn't even attracted to him because it's all there in the letters. And he confronted her and she admitted it. And basically she was 30, she wanted to get married and he was good husband material and she didn't love me and she defrauded me by lying in the vow that she took. Mm-hmm. So Ali crosses and asks him where the letter who the letters were written to and it turns out it's to a man called Michael Redmond who is not real he's like a fictitious letter recipient yeah um and I was like so this 11 year affair it's not it, like it didn't exist did it um and Mr. Philbert goes well the person didn't exist but if you ask Kelly the love fair did exist and the fact that she didn't love me that's also true and I was like hang on a minute you keep saying that she didn't love you is that true and Mr. Philbrick's like, well, she loves me like you love a pet or a sibling, maybe. But she's never been in love with me. And Ali's like, but does she love you? And Mr. Philbrick says, well, I'm certainly not the love of her life. Which she looked me straight in the eye and claimed I was. And then his voice goes echoey again. And he's just going, it's a lie. It was a lie. It was a lie. <laughs> and it just, he just keeps repeating that yeah. as it like fades out. And then let's stay together fades in and Ali looks at the judge and it's only bloody Al Green Green. standing in judge robes robes (laughs) standing in judge robes singing yeah like Al Green they booked Al Green I know and not just for like a one-off performance either no he's like being a judge and shit yeah (laughs) but Ali turns around and then the jury are all in like choir robes like gospel choir robes and they're like clapping along and then the camera works goes all like 80s music video yeah it goes very weird I don't know how to describe it I don't know what you describe that effect it's like uh jerky like the only thing I the video I can think of is um have you ever seen Human Nature by Michael Jackson and there are lots of videos that did this effect in the 80s but Human Nature was a cartoon, but it was like Judge Me. Actually, the Aha video. Yes. Like that. Yeah. It's like Judge Me, like a that, little but, bit of ca- It's not a cartoon, it's no. real life. Yeah. And it's um, in Ali, it's yes. real life, and it's Judgery. Yes. Yeah. is the only word I can use. Yeah. It's not like showing a continuous footage, it's like. It's like it up. smooth. It, yeah, it's not smooth movement. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just very. Yeah. If someone is. Well, like my husband, the videographer, he probably knows exactly the right term. But if someone knows what the term for that effect yeah. is, if they could let us know, because like we have no, no, no idea. idea. <laughs> Googling didn't help either. So <laughs> you're like, judgery effect. <laughs> 80s music video. <laughs> like human nature. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Google's like, I've got nothing for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Annie just kind of starts rubbing her temples and like screwing up her eyes and until we hear Judge Walsh cut through this fantasy and he's like Miss McBeal um, and Ali opens her eyes and is like like trying to get back into it yes so then Ali and John and their client Kelly are walking out of the courtroom and Ali's like rubbing her head um, and John's like are you okay and she's like yeah The, the judge just didn't turn into Al Green and start singing right and John's like well I didn't pay strict attention, but I believe he sat quietly. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kelly, bless her, is like, is she mental? <laughs> Not great words to use, no, no. but I can see why she'd be concerned. Yeah, exactly, yeah, I would be too. <laughs> <laughs> and 
like trying to tell her off and be like, you can't say that. And, and she's like, well, what kind of question is that? And John's like, Kelly, some people see things as they are and ask why. Ali sees things as they never were. <laughs> and, and John's like, and plus, you wrote letters for 11 years to someone who wasn't really there. And Kelly's like, but I knew, knew he wasn't he was really there. And I never had to ask. actually yeah. ask whether he was there. And Ali just looks sort of worried. Um, yes. Then we have the Wicked Witch theme tune happen as Ling comes out of the elevator at Cajun Fish. She marches to Richard's office. She slams the doors open. She drops her bag. She lifts one leg onto his desk and sweeps everything to the floor with her leg and just goes, do my knee. (laughs) And Richard's like, you can't just march in here when you feel like it and have me service your knee pit. And, and Ling's like, picks up a magazine and started reading it. And she's like, quickly, I have meetings. And Richard's like, no. And Ling slams his laptop shut. And she's like, excuse me. And Richard's like, I said no. And Ling's like, give me your finger. And Richard's like, no to that too. And you can forget about throwing your hair at me. And he gets up and walks around the desk to kind of face off with her. He's like, a relationship is more than little sex games, Ling. We're adults. I have emotional needs as well, believe it or not. And mature partnerships embrace companionship, not just... And Ling's like, what do you want? <laughs> and Richard's like, intercourse. Morning, night, occasional nooners. <laughs> and Ling's like, first of all, and she kind of pushes him down so he's sitting on his desk. Nobody has ever, ever been able to make love to me twice in one day. And Richard's like, well, Ling, after the six-month, 12-step semen retention plan, I might be able to. And Ling starts whispering into his ear, like, have you ever been to one of those ice cream stores where if you eat the first Sunday, they give you the second one free? And Richard's like, Ling, I've heard a lot of talk. It's time to put your mouth where the money is. And she's like, right in his ear. And she's like, remember our first kiss, Richard? And how long it took for you to recover? And Richard's like, well, I have some sick leave coming up. <laughs> and Ling's like, all right, Richard, if you truly, truly think you're ready, and there's these two cowbells, <laughs> and she's like, tonight, there's one thing you need to know first. And Richard's like, what? And Ling's like, remember how I hate sweat? And Richard's like, yeah. And she goes right into his ear again, and she's like, except for sex. When it comes to sex, I sweat. I See you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> she walks off and he just falls off the desk. <laughs> so more Ling. Uh, she's talked up a good game about this. She is her she own is mind-blowing. <laughs> I would immediately want, you know, some kind of apology. Yeah, I mean, she is her own hype man, isn't she? <laughs> like, yeah. She's... Yeah, who yes. needs PR? I know. Like that? Very funny. Um, so yeah, so then John and the, the opposing counsel in this case are in front of Judge Walsh. Um, I think this must be some kind of mid-trial conference thing because there's no jury. Right, okay. Um, I don't know what the legal term would be for this in the proceedings, but anyway. Um, John's saying that they want to move for a directed verdict because Mr. Filbert testified that his wife did love him. Um, but the opposing counsel is saying that she wasn't in love with him. And John's like playing semantics because he's like, well, the wedding vows don't say you have to be in love. They just say you have to love. And Walsh is saying, don't play word games. Um, and John's like, I'm not the one playing games here. This p- prosecution, in addition to being unprecedented, is Poughkeepsie. And then he's like, abba, abba, abba. and he's like, yeah, ridiculous. I mean, to sue a woman for fraud, you could prosecute every wife in America. And I was like... <laughs> Why every wife in a matter of uh, husbands don't? Yeah, I know. I, yeah, okay. Bizarre. Okay, John. Walsh says 
you don't think women ever marry for love and John says well the vows also say honour and obey I doubt many women truly have the intention of honouring and obeying and what well this is the reason why I did not take the standard wedding vows yeah <laughs> um, exactly. they started taking them out actually so a lot of people I think were obey has, has definitely yeah. been dropped I think by a lot of um, but Walsh says you're playing word games again. She said she loved him. She didn't. She lied. She enjoys a tremendous financial windfall as a result. That's tantamount to stealing. Your motion is denied. Then John says, and how much alimony do you pay, Your Honour? <laughs> and Walsh is not happy and says, if you were, are you looking to be held in contempt, Mr. Cage? And John says, Your Honour, if you were to suddenly start treating me with contempt, how would I know? And Ali is like, you went too far. I don't think you should have said that. Not in courtroom 502. (laughs) So the very next scene, cut to, John is in a cell. (laughs) Well, yeah, because Judge Walsh is the last judge. You want to be testing that. I just don't know what he thought he was playing at. Like, know your audience. I have to say, I think John... And I'll talk about this more later. Yeah, I have a lot to say about John. Yeah, I feel like John is acting very strangely. Yeah, very out of character. Out of character. At the moment. Yeah. Weird. Very weird. So he's in a cell, like, just shaking his head. And Ali's there being like, that was stupid. Like, you have not been smart there. And John was like, this case is so outrageous. And Ali's like... John, if she really wasn't in love with him at the time, and John's like, oh, please, men like to get women into bed, women like to get men into matrimony. Those are the simple facts of life. And I'm like, well, you have been reading the wrong fact books. <laughs> yes, clearly. Ali's like protesting, saying, do you really believe that? And John says he believes that women feel pressured to get married before their biological clock stops. And if they haven't found their special soulmate, then they just compromise. And Ali's being like, but I would never do that. And I'm like, in what world is this about you? Yeah. Like, how have managed to make this about you? But John says, well, you're less afraid of being alone than most. And Ali's like, no, I'm terrified of being alone. And John's like, no, that's your biggest fantasy of all. The truth is you'll probably be happier being alone because sad as it is to want something you don't have, it's much worse to have something that you don't want. And if you do get married, ultimately, he'll end up being something you don't want. And Ali's like, why are you saying that? And John kind of puts his head between the bars and rests his chin on, like, one of the horizontal bars yeah. to, like, talk to her. And he's like, because what you do want, he isn't out there. And Ali's like, he isn't. And he's like, nope. And secretly, I think you know that. That's why you've got this ability to look at a judge and see Al Green, to look at a cloud and see cotton candy. At some unconscious level, I think you know that the only world that ultimately won't end up disappointing you is the one you make up. And Ali's like, no, that's not true. I do all of those things because I'm nuts. That's all. What you're saying isn't true. I will find somebody someday. I'm just crazy. That's why I see things that aren't there. I love this world. I love this world, John. And John's like, well, fine. Then perhaps one day you'll choose to live in it with the rest of us. And I'm like, what the hecking heck is this? I know. I feel like this is John's version of when Billy told Ali like she'd never be happy this and is that such love a thing is wasted on her. Yeah, I know. And I, I like, yeah, like he's basically being like, love, the version of love you'll end up with is not the one that you want and it will be a disappointment. And, and I'm just kind of like, even if that is truly what you think, like, I think is so deeply, like with Billy, is so deeply unhelpful and unfair to say that to someone. But also, 
him, at least with Billy, like there was, you, you know why he was saying that to Ali, because it had built up to that in the conversation. Mm. Like, this has come out of nowhere. nowhere. John has no, like, nothing to gain from saying anything. Like, he hasn't, like, Billy was out to hurt Ali. Yeah. And they were having that whole long conversation about why they can't be with each other, or can or can't be with each other, which is why, where his statement mm. came from. Mm. And part of him was angry and wanted to hurt her, so mm. said something really awful. And mm. um, John and Ali, like, John acting out in court well, I don't know had that. nothing to do with Ali. Like, Ali hadn't done anything to prompt that. So him then being in the cell, <coughs> being like, and Ali being like, why did you say that? Like, what's wrong? And then him being like, oh, please, marriage is bullshit. Everyone lies. And, it doesn't and then Ali being like, I don't. And then him being like, psychoanalyzing her. Yeah. Like, why? What was yeah. he to I, And it that? doesn't actually make much sense, considering... He has just managed to craft a second chance for himself with Nell. Yeah, someone who he probably could never have managed yeah. imagine being with. Yeah, he's he's having what thus far seems like a very sweet, cute, romantic relationship. Yeah. And why is he so jaded all yeah, of a sudden? Yeah, why he has surely this is a time he would be at his most like romantically optimistic. Yeah. Not his most romantically cynical. Yeah. Uh, it just it's bizarre it's really it really weird. felt like it came out of left field and like like that's going to quickly do you yeah, know what I mean like, and like why what have you got to gain by making Ali feel so terrible so awful yeah about her life chances of finding love and happiness yeah it's so weird like the tone of his voice says that like, he's saying it like like tough love like he's yeah being it's horrible. wrapped up in he's like, being like giving you some home truth yeah as a friend to be nice yeah but actually it's super hurtful and i don't understand where Why? it's come from yeah. like the motivation doesn't make sense doesn't to me as a sense. character yeah well it just doesn't make sense emotionally that no. he would be feeling this this upset by this case yeah we've seen nothing and then translate that into saying horrible things to Ali. Yeah. But wrapping it up in a guise of, I'm just being honest. Yeah. You know what just I mean? Being honest. Um, yeah, so Nell is in her office looking at a book on her bookshelf and Ling is walking in feeling really dejected and she's like, Nell has a great hairstyle. Have you seen, did you, did you spot it? Uh, no. It's like a great, like, it's like a, a high ponytail, but then it's like, twisted like strands yeah and then it kind of like almost like loops back on itself oh. so it's like a like they've made like a sort of rope out of her hair and then twisted it back on itself oh, it's really right. yeah i know what you mean yeah. yeah yeah she does a lot of twists actually yeah yeah flat. yeah they look great yeah she has great hair <laughs> um so ling is looking really dejected and she walks in and she's just like I promised Richard sex tonight. And now looks really proud, like, you did? <laughs> and Lynn's like, he's pressuring me. Ugh, it's so messy. Their brains all over the sheets. And I was like, <laughs> brains. Um, but then Nell's like, Lynn, do you really not like sex? And Lynn's like, it's not like I don't like it. And Elaine is, you just hear Elaine go, I love it. And they turn around and Elaine's just at the doorway and she's like, Sorry, I thought I heard somebody say sex. <laughs> and Ling's like, and like a little homing pigeon. <laughs> yeah. And Elaine says, well, why don't you like it? And Ling says, well, I never said you didn't like it. What I don't like is how men judge you on it. 
And Nell's like, but I thought you were phenomenal. And Ling's like, that's just the problem. If a woman is too good in bed, men just assume she must be a slut. And Elaine's like, I'm great in bed, but of course I, I am, am a, a slut. slut. <laughs> <laughs> and then Annie appears at the doorway, really glum. And she's like, hello. And they all turn around. And she's like, hi, on my way to court, just stopping by to say hi. <laughs> and Elaine's like, what's wrong? And Annie's like, nothing's wrong. Can't I just swing by to say hi to the girls? And everyone is like, what's, what's wrong? wrong? <laughs> and Annie's like, nothing. I, listen, um, I'm taking a little straw poll and do any of you ever think you'll find a guy who's the one love of your life? And Ling and Nell are both like, no. And Elaine's like, over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) And Nell's like, why are you asking? And Annie's like, oh, just this case, you know, the idea that people do meet and marry the person of their dreams, it does happen, right? And everyone just looks at her like, hun. (laughs) They look at her like really sort of slightly kind of like pitying yeah like mate yeah (laughs) and then she's like well i'm late for court so she obviously leaves yeah and i just thought this was a proper sad scene yeah just because i was just like it's very much played almost like a kid finding out from the older girls that father christmas doesn't exist i know like and as i mean as i've said before like i don't believe in a one person will completely kind of soulmate concept but I do definitely believe someone can be the love of your life. Yeah. And I, I feel like Ling and Nell's, like, apparent cynicism of, like, even that concept... Yeah. ...is just as sad as Ali's optimism around finding her, like, one and only soulmate. And, yeah. like, it's... I just want to be like, guys, there's a middle ground here. Well, I just think, like, <laughs> they're going about... what well, Ali certainly is going about this. I don't, I didn't read their cynicism as cynicism about um the love of your life per se yeah it was more the concept but i worry of that the that's, one i i, I worry that and the that's one is a yeah yeah concept. it is but i worry that the way that ali has interpreted their kind of looks and their kind of like the way this conversation is played out like I, uh, they, they don't clarify like the nuance of it of being like, I don't believe there's only one person in the world that could ever completely complete me, but I do believe that I can fall in love with someone and build a life with someone and, and, and they will be the love of my life. Like, yes, I believe in that. I think the problem is, is they're looking at this all wrong. Like you shouldn't be looking for someone else to complete you ever. No. You should be completing yourself and uh, and finding someone to share yourself with yes it's like a bonus yeah and you can have multiple people do that over the course of a lifetime yeah um and fulfill that role and you can have a favorite that is the love of your life but yeah. equally you can have a really fulfilling life yeah. never settling down with anyone yeah you yeah. know and it's just like this weird again 90s version of like not just 90s like old school version of what it means to live a life like end game is not getting coupled up yeah like that's the the pinnacle of not only success but happiness is, and it's funny because and i think this is what is in ling and nell's no because they are so fulfilled elsewhere they're very secure in themselves as women for the most yes. part um certainly more so than Ali. Yeah. Um, they don't need or want to need a man to, like, complete them. And, no. You know, if they find one great bonus, love yeah. it. But, you know, they, they, they're they very career-focused. Um, they're very... Um, they've obviously got 
lives and interests outside of their relationships. Yeah. Ali's not going about life like that. No, she's not. And so them seeing her come to them and be like, uh, so am I going to meet my Prince Charming and like he'll live happily ever after? And then being like, why would you even want to? Like, yeah. You, don't worry about that. Yeah. You make your happily ever after. No one else does. But it's just like, that thing of like no one saying that to her. Yeah. Everyone's just going like the thing that you're saying, Prince Charming, no, that doesn't exist. Anyway, yeah. like no one's backing it up yeah. with a, but you know what? You can still have a happy life or you know what you can still fall in love yeah uh you know it's just like it is like this well i just think there's no discussion around it especially nell and ling i think i think elaine's a separate thing yeah uh, because a she had a different answer but then has a different perspective but nell and ling they're not her like close friends no so they're not gonna be like they're probably not going to feel like it's their place to be like, hun, you know, life isn't a Disney film. Yeah, like, yeah, no, I know, I know. I and think, I think they are a bit, like, dumbfounded at the idea that a grown woman that's still, nearly 30 still thinks clings to that this. life is like that. Yeah, exactly. I think they are a bit like, uh, did you not learn this as a teenager? Yeah, like, yeah. this is something that you should have really developed a good, yeah. like, healthy understanding of. So I think they're just a bit confused. Yeah, 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 maybe. Yeah, completely. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, um, so Annie is walking along the street with a coffee as Vonda is singing Both Sides Now by Jamie Mitchell, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, she looks up at the sky and then there's another flashback to, like, little girl Ali holding a snow cone looking at the sky mm-hmm. as the lyrics talk about looking at a cloud. Um, and then the fantasy gets cut when a man just bumps into present day Ali and is like, looking at her straight ahead might help, you know, like annoyed at her because yeah. he's bumped into her. And Ali's like, sorry. Yeah. But she just continues looking up as Wanda keeps singing and then she kind of crosses the road looking sad. Yeah, it's just that kind of, you know how often Zone you out. see Ali McBeal kind of fight back against moments like that. Yeah. It's like she's lost all her fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, so in the courtroom, Kelly's on the stand and Ali's questioning her. Um, and Kelly's kind of justifying why she wrote those letters um, and saying that, you know, I didn't have anybody. I suppose I could have just started the letters like Dear Diary, but it seemed more hopeful to pretend to write to someone. Um, and after a while, I imagined like what he looked like, how, how he sounded, his smell. It made me feel less alone. Um, and I was like, yeah, but OK. At some point, though, you met someone real, Barry, um, but you still continue to write these letters to your imaginary friend. And Kelly's like, yeah, well, imaginary or not, like, if you've written to someone for nine years, it's not easy to stop that. Um, and Ali's like, well, let's take a look at the letter you wrote on April the 9th, 97, which was your wedding day. You defined it as the loneliest day of your life. Like, what did you mean by that? And Kelly says, well, as much as I loved Barry... To be walking down the aisle exchanging vows with a man I didn't feel passion for, it was a bitter disappointment. And of course, I couldn't very well share it with him. So as a result, it was a very lonely day. And the truth is, it still hurts. But I did love you, Barry. I still do. And Barry just looks like he isn't having any of it. (laughs) (laughs) So then, born to 
to be wild kicks born in. Born to be wild. And Another tune. Richard is dancing in front of the unisex mirror like the happiest boy that ever lived. <laughs> He's doing like proper dad dancing. Like, there are some really so... not good faces being made. <laughs> gurning and like sex facing all in the unisex oh mirror yeah um billy and georgia come in and just start watching yeah <laughs> and then the track distorts when richard realizes that they're, they're there, there. Yeah. and he tries to kind of style it out but eventually the track just cuts out and he, as he gives up and he's like what and billy's like sex with ling tonight and richard's like what oh yeah no biggie yeah bye guys and he leaves <laughs> And George is sort of wistfully being like, oh, it's really fun to be single. And I was like, you can be single too! (laughs) You can be a single lady too! Fly, my pretty, fly! (laughs) If you love someone, let them go! Um, And Billy's like, yeah. And George is like, do you remember the first time we... And Billy's like, I have a vague memory. And George is like, the married people just not get excited about it anymore. And she kind of goes into a stall whilst Billy is perching on the sink. And he's like, well, you're half right. Married women don't get excited about it. I was like, fuck you, Billy. Maybe because they're married to you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then Georgia like opens the door and she pops out and she's like, Billy, why do you say that I don't? I do. And Billy's like, Georgia, the only time I see you truly deeply lit up, it means you bought a new piece of furniture. And Georgia's like, I work. I'm tired at the end of the day. And I was like, also, you're married to fucking Billy. (laughs) Who's going to want that? That would kill any lady boner. Right? And then she says, and you are not a morning person. So, and Billy's like, well, how about the middle of the day? And Georgia's like, what? You want to hop into a stool and just... And Billy's like, well, single people would do it. And Georgia's like, in a million years. And Billy's like, you don't think so? And Georgia's like, be careful what you wish for, Billy. And Billy's like, you're right. It was fun thinking about it for a second or so, wasn't it? And George is like, yeah. And then they smile at each other. And then she goes in the stall. But then she turns back and just grabs Billy and pulls him in with her. By the time. And do you think I'm sexy starts. As they get down to business. And And they didn't even check that they were alone. I know. So I feel like this is a bit of a follow-up to last episode. Right. In regards to, you know, like, Georgia last episode was, like, trying on all these, like, sexy outfits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's feeling her sexy. Yeah, and I kind of feel like, actually, what she was trying to provoke, she wasn't trying to provoke jealousy from her husband. I think she was just trying to provoke sexual attraction from her husband. Which actually kind of makes a lot of sense if you think about... Yeah. If you've been cheated on and you chose to stay with your partner, yeah. like, maybe that is the re- a, a yeah. reaction that would happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, do we have to watch it? No, I really I'd did like... not need to watch Georgia kissing Well, Billy's I didn't chest. enjoy it so much that I've actually <laughs> thrown in my... Because we have to watch. <laughs> Billy's jacket comes off. Georgia locks the door. His trousers come down. Her skirt gets hiked up. She's on the toilet seat. And oh my god, my eyes. I object. I object. I object. And I am swayed by triplets. So. You're swayed by triplets? Do you not remember that when John went... I object, I object, I object, and the dog is like, I am not moved by triplets or whatever, yeah. Uh, it's just horrible. 
terrible to watch. I, swear. I, I didn't enjoy it, no. Mainly because I'm like, George, you should be doing this with someone else. Billy doesn't deserve this. No, I You're like too good it for him. He's so much better for you. Ugh. Anyway, yeah. so back in the courthouse, the opposing counsel is cross-examining Kelly and asking why she lied. And she's like, I didn't lie. And they said, well, is it your testimony that prior to marrying Mr. Philbert, you never told him he was the love of your life? And Kelly's like, well, I think when I said that, I wanted to believe it. And she's, they say, okay, but according to your own admission, you didn't believe it on your wedding day. Why go through with marrying him? And she was like, it's, I wasn't, it wasn't to get his money. Um, and they quote from the wedding vows, like her wedding vows said, you will be my faithful partner in life and my one true love. And yet, according to the letter you wrote that day, you described the agony of having to speak those words, looking at a man you knew you'd never feel passion for. And Kelly says, well, a marriage is more than just passion. And the opposing counsel says, well, did you tell your husband this? Do you think he would have gone through with the ceremony had he known your true feelings? And Kelly's like, well, maybe not. And the opposing counsel was like, you were 32, you wanted security, you wanted a baby, time was running out. And Kelly was like, it wasn't like that. And the opposing counsel goes, it was exactly like that. And Ali objects and Walsh overrules it. But Ali says, the witness never left her husband. And the opposing counsel says, objection, move to strike. That was testimony. And Ali stands up being like, you're being argumentative. And Walsh says, okay, you can sit down. Like, so she does. And then the opposing counsel says, well, how is it, ma'am, that you can declare under God, law, with witnesses, that Mr. Filbert is your one true love when you knew he wasn't? because he was close enough. And Kelly was like, maybe that was it. And Ali and John both object. But Kelly says, no, 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 I'll answer. She says, I think I was at a point, I didn't think I'd ever meet anyone who'd measure up to this romanticized version of a husband that I'd made up myself. And Barry, he was a sweet, caring man. We shared the same interests. I knew he'd be a good father. On some level, unconsciously, maybe I thought close enough. And Ali looks really upset and Kelly's voice starts becoming really echoey and then all this clapping starts up like gospel choir clapping and she's going love's probably all just an illusion anyway and Annie stands up and she's like almost crying and she's going objection 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 and the camera work goes all 80s video again and the jury are all gospel singers clapping and she looks at the judge and it's Al Green again (laughs) waggling a gavel singing keep up and Annie just starts dancing and singing along and she's like that's right that's right and then Judge Walsh cuts through the fantasy again as it turns out in the real world Annie has actually started dancing with her eyes closed in the middle of open court I mean oh my god and Walsh is like uh, Ms. McBeal and Annie's like really embarrassed and she's like withdrawn sits down oh god ugh Meanwhile, yuck is happening. (laughs) Billy is taking off George's shirt and biting her shoulder. She's nibbling his chest whilst play that funky music. Why, boy? It's going. Play that funky music. Why? Please pass the bucket. And then, not to that song. That song's great. I love, it was not the song that's the problem. (laughs) The song, the, the yuck is the problem. That the I'm yuck. To view with my eyeballs. Thank <laughs> God for the end. Like, I <laughs> burn them. Um, so then the music cuts out because Elaine has burst in with a video camera ready to capture the action. Okay. Objection. Why 
I'm like, A, how does she fucking know that they're in there having sex? B, who wants to watch that anyway? B, like, why has she come in with a video camera? I have huge fucking issues. She keeps videoing with her. stuff. Yeah, I know. But to come in and try and video two people having sex without their consent, yeah, I'm just hey. like, what the fucking fuck? Yeah. What are you doing? What are you playing at? Uh, she's... No. Weird. No, not okay. Put it down. Leave the room. No one needs to see this. No, no, literally no one. And you have no right to film it. Yeah. And Billy and Georgia hear, though, that she's come in and they stop what they're doing. And Georgia's going, and she kind of mouths Elaine to Billy. And Elaine has her camera and she's kind of going along the underside of the stalls, like each side of the room. Um, And she can't see anything because Billy and Georgia are both leaning on the toilet. Like they're, the, the, Position, I'd love someone to do a diagram because it's quite confusing. Yeah. But basically, both of their feet are on the toilet and they're kind of leaning against the door. Yeah. Um, Which doesn't sound like the most comfortable position to have sex in a no, toilet cubicle. No, not at all. <laughs> I don't. Anyway, but Elaine looks really confused. And then Georgia and Billy look pleased with themselves because they think they've gotten away with it. But then Elaine opens the door to the unisex and closes it to kind of fake Trick out them. that she's yeah. left, like thinking that will fool, fool them. But Billy shakes his head like, no. no. <laughs> and so then Elaine really does leave. And then Billy and Georgia breathe a sigh of relief and kind of carry on. And the music starts up again. But then it cuts out again as John comes in talking to Ali. Um, and John's like, I don't know why you're so upset. You've had fantasies before. And Ali's like, no, this is more like hallucinating John. And then there's a, a shot of Georgia and Billy like, <laughs> how are we gonna get out of this so Ali's like fantasies by choice but I actually thought for a second that that guy was Al Green and it's your fault and John's like my fault and I was like yeah your fault what you said this morning really upset me all that stuff about me preferring to be alone because I won't find anybody that I want to stay with and John's like no 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 what I said was that everyone compromises and he's going on and on like defending himself. So like, no, that isn't what you I said. Know. But there's this big creak as Billy and George's like pose of leaning against the stall door is beginning to buckle. Yeah. Um, and John's continuing talking, but Georgia and Billy are like freaking out because the lock is buckling. <laughs> yeah. um, John's saying any marriage counsellor, if you ask them, they would say compromise is the most important thing to a relationship. And Ali's like, no, they're talking about a different kind of compromise. Compromise during marriage is different from making compromises on what you want in a partner. And John's like, why is that different? And Ali's getting really frustrated and she starts banging on the stall, yeah, which in. is yeah. loosening the lock <laughs> and dramatic music is starting to start. Ali's going, it is not normal for people to marry when their hearts aren't really in it. And she's saying, I'm not saying you should have prosecuted the woman, but she shouldn't have gone through with the ceremony. And if you want to sympathise with her, then fine. But if you identify with her, then I feel sorry for you because there has to be passion. There has to be passion. <laughs> and then the lock finally gives, gives way. Yeah. And Billy and Georgia fly out of the store half naked onto the floor. And Ali and John just stare down at them. Yeah. And John goes... You need to work on your dismount. And Ali folds her arms and she's like, figures the one marriage that would have passion would be theirs. <laughs> and Ali and John leave. And then Billy shakes his head. And then we hear, lay down and boogie and play that funky music till you die. Till you die. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Great stuff. You have to have passion. Yeah, but she's not wrong. 
Oh, not that kind of passion, though. Nobody needs to no, no, sex not in with public bathrooms. Oh, not, not with that man, no. <laughs> no. Um, so, Renee and Ali are at home in Ali's room as she's getting ready to get into bed. Um, and they're discussing the case. Um, and Renee's saying, like, I wouldn't prosecute, but come on, you marry a rich person for money? And Ali's like, no, it wasn't for money. And Renee's like, she didn't love him. You said he looked like a gerbil. And Ali's like, hamster. And Renee's like, I would think you, of all people, wouldn't sympathise not holding out for her heart's content. And Ali's like, all like glum and resigned. And she's like, maybe hearts don't get content. Maybe John and Ling and Nell and you and the rest of the entire world, maybe you're all right. Maybe it's this case. It's just... And then she kind of does this big sigh and she's like, I'm fine, night. And Renee sort of leaves the room as Ali gets under the covers, but she turns back to look at her, like, as if she's, like, worried about mm. her. And then we hear echoey voices again and Ali sits up and it's a woman and a man and they're arguing um, because the man's saying, like, do you even think about what I'm doing? Do you even think about how hard I'm having to work to support the family? And then we get this hallucination again of Kid Ali running into the room with her hands over her ears as her parents keep fighting because the woman's saying, Alan, I have the kids asking, where's daddy? Huh? And the man's like, daddy's at work, working on his caseload. And Kid Ali rushes to this music box to turn it on to try and cover the arguing. And she slams the door and she turns on this handheld radio and like a TV, TV. which has like white noise on. And adult Ali is like looking on like sadly. And then Kid Ali rushes to the corner of the room like cross-legged and is like rocking with her hands over her yeah. ears to like stop the arguing coming in. Which is a very sad, like, it is it's, sad. it's a flashback, isn't it? Clearly, yeah, well it's a flashback, her. but not like it, she's, he's hallucinating well, she's, it. Well, I, I don't know that she's hallucinating it. I wonder, I sort of felt that it was just she remembers like it was like she's there like she's back there i don't know because i feel like we've had flashbacks before but they've not been in her room yeah you know and she specifically referred to hallucinations this episode yeah. in a way that she hasn't before mm. she's always called them like daydreams or fantasies yeah and i feel like a flashback is where you like replay the memory in your head and it's in that it's like like a movie in your head, mm. like back in the same location at the same time. It's mm. not physically happening in front of you where you can watch it. Yeah. And that's what she's... That's what they're depicting. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, uh, on another note, Dead Sister Watch. Yeah, where's this dead sister, eh? Well, her mum does say, I have kid the kids asking, where's daddy? Yeah. So... I mean, you know, rather than being like, I have Ali asking, where's daddy? Yeah. She says, I have the kids asking, where's daddy? But didn't her sister die when she was quite small? Well, I think it would have been around that age. So maybe her sister was sick around that time. I can't remember what, what, how old she said she was when she died. Because she was just like, two years later, she died. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So... I don't know. I yeah. still think that was a questionable. I mean, I, I, it's a very like you know, it's it's very vague. So yeah. like reference to her dead sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I just it just occurred to me. I was like, oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, Richard is in his bathroom putting on aftershave as Ling is watching 
TV in bed. Um, and Richard walks in and Ling switches off the TV. He takes off his robe and gets into bed. And Ling is wearing this red, sexy baby doll underwear set. And she kind of tucks him into the covers and puts an arm around him. And she's like, are you ready? This is an e-ticket, Richard, with a minimum size requirement to ride. And she reaches down and we hear two cowbells. <laughs> then she reaches for a clipboard and Richard's like, what's this? And Ling's like, oh, it's just a boilerplate. And she kind of kisses him and switches on an attached lamp on the side of the clipboard. And she's like, it says you have no known heart conditions, no history of seizures, no back injuries. And Richard's like, you want me to sign a waiver? And then she flips the paper on the clipboard and she's like, and confidentiality agreement. I have trade secrets. And she starts kissing him. And Richard's like, am I on one of those hidden camera shows? And she sweeps the clipboard aside and she starts to straddle him, being like, camera's rolling, action! (laughs) And there's this growl sound. And then Richard looks really uncomfortable and she kind of comes down to his face and is like, what's wrong? And Richard's like, rolls her off. And he's like, Ling, Ling, you can't just do that. And she's like, do what? And Richard's like, you can't just roll on top of a man and yell action. Look, you frightened him. (laughs) And Ling's like, where'd he go? And he's like, turtled you scared him and then he's like oh and she then scooches over to her side of the bed and puts the tv on again and there's this theme music and she goes oh chicago hope which is another david e kelly show <laughs> oh really yeah well i'm just like either ling did this on purpose or <laughs> or her self-professed skill in bed is just like all hype <laughs> yeah who does that yeah i'm just like okay if you're so skilled at sex, you would know that you don't just do that to a person. Just be like, so yeah, sex now. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah. So I'm like, either this is a ruse because you don't actually want to have sex right now. Yeah, possibly. Or you're just not as good as you think you are. So funny, though. Know? It's just the way he was like, I'm scared here. I'm so <laughs> Aww. Poor Richard. Aww. He was so excited. I know. So... Next scene, next day, Margaret Camero is back, guest star Wendy Worthington, um, at Cajun Fish, meeting with Ali and John. Resident feminist. Well, yeah, John's called her in because um, he wants her help. And Margaret is quite rightly saying, why the hell should I help you? Because last time you guys called me a vicious lesbian. And John's like, well, now that was my partner and it was simply trial strategy. And Margaret's like, that doesn't excuse it. And I'm like, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, So Ali's saying that they want to use her as a counsellor and sociologist for their client. Um, And she's like going, and you're the best one we know. And Margaret's like, don't butter me up either. I'm not a baked potato. And I was like, I love this woman. She's brilliant. Um, And John's like, well, we'll pay you. And Margaret's like, my opinions aren't for sale. And John's like, well, we're not buying your opinions. We're paying for your time to give them in court. And Ali's like, please. And Margaret's like, I'm not going to be vilified. You called me a muscle car. And John stammers and is like, again, that was my partner. And Ali's like, we're not going to vilify you, I promise. And Margaret scowls. And I was just like, run for the hills, <laughs> But John walks out of that room and through the complex. And Nell sees him and calls out like, oh, hi. And John looks at her up and down because she's wearing her flight attendant outfit yeah. again. Um, but with like a jacket. With a jacket time. this time. Yeah. And John's like, Nell. And Nell's like fly the friendly skies later 
And do, 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 they both do, start like bobbing do, along do, do, to Barry White. Do, 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 do. And she's like fingering his tie and they're both like And they're both kind of just like vibing together. <laughs> and it's just so cute. It's I really, really cute. love her. Um, but then Richard comes out of the elevator and goes to John's side and he's like, John, need you. Emergency. And John's not breaking eye contact with Nell and Barry White's still there. <laughs> and he's like, I'm off to court. And Richard's like, he sort of just pushes him backwards away from Nell, like dragging him off to his office. And he's like, Emergency! And Barry just grinds to a halt. So John is counselling Richard in his office. And he's like, Dead, dead. <laughs> and Richard's saying it's the first time it's ever happened to him. And John's like, You know, it happens to everyone. And he's like, Not me. I pet a poodle, boing. Oh if anything, God. it's too automatic. <laughs> and John's like, Richard, I really need to go to court. And he tries to leave, but Richard pushes him down. He's like, who cares about court? My first chance with Ling, I'm string cheese. It could be a mental thing. You know what they say? The penis never forgets. And John's like, Richard, in times of emotional or spiritual crises, who have you always looked to for inspiration? And Richard says, Bob Dole, who's a politician. And John's like, look there once more. And he walks off. And Richard's like, to himself, he's like, it was a riddle. It was some kind of riddle. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> like, thinking to himself. So then we have Billy walking through the complex, holding his eye, which is black and bruised. And Elaine is coming down from the mezzanine and sees him and asks him what happened. And she's, like, touching his eye. And I'm like... Elaine, if you see someone with a black eye, don't start prodding okay. it. Like, yeah. <laughs> and Billy's like, oh, I bumped it. Um, and Elaine says, oh, is this when you came crashing out of the stall or coital with Georgia? And Billy's <laughs> like, yes, Elaine, it would be that. Um, and then the elevator dings and Elaine kind of smirks and walks away. And Renee gets out of the elevator and sees Billy. And she's really glum because she's like, oh, hey, Billy, have you seen Ali? And Billy's like, I think she went to court. And Renee's like, already? And Billy's like, is something wrong? And Renee's like, truth? Yeah, I'm a little worried. This case has got her upset or something. And what's with the eye? And Billy's like, oh, accident? And Renee's like, oh, your little booty call in the bathroom with Georgia? And Billy's like, yes, this would be that. <laughs> like annoyed that everyone, everyone knows. knows. And I'm like, have you forgotten where, where you, you are? are? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Margaret is on the stand being questioned by John as part of this case. And he's asking her about, like, I guess the psychological um, definition of soulmate and why it's a problem. Yeah. Um, and she's saying it's a dangerous myth because it's bunk. Like, more than half the marriages end in divorce. As institutions go, this one doesn't have a great success rate. And the reason for that is that people go into it using passion and heart tugs as their only criteria. And it's foolhardy. And John's like, well, how does that help this case? And Margaret says, well, Miss Philbrick, in my opinion, probably got married for the right reasons. She picked a man whom she had companionship with. She picked a man because she liked his values. She believed in his parenting skills. This is all reasonable thinking, as opposed to walking down the aisle just because you like someone's pecs. And the disdain on her face when she says this is just, <laughs> what? I'm like, because of his pecs. <laughs> I'm like, you woman, I want to kiss you. Um, and John is like, uh, okay, um, well, the district attorney draws attention to these vows. And Margaret's like, wedding vows, please. That's just archaic ceremony jargon. Love, honour, obey, please. <laughs> and Annie looks really annoyed at her, like, dissing the concept of yes. wedding vows. But 
let's not pretend Ali's particularly progressive when <laughs> But Margaret says, let's not forget those vows also speak to total acceptance. And nine out of ten women, when they get married, their main agenda is to remake him, redress him, cut off for most of his friends, and undermine his way of life. Which I was like, that's going a little I far. was like, oh, you've lost me there. I don't think that's what women... And also, like, any more than men. I'd like you know? to know where you got this statistic of yeah. nine out of ten women. <laughs> yes, that was where she I was just me. like, okay... I was with you so far, and uh, no, nice me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the opposing counsel crosses her and says, "Well, this case isn't about that. It's about fraud." And Margaret's like, "Balls! <laughs> it's a time-honored traditional mating dance. People look into each other's eyes and say, you 'You're the one all the time.'" And the opposing counsel's like, "But the woman, this woman lied. It's not that easy." And Margaret says. Well, the institution of marriage itself is the biggest falsity because society drills it into us that suddenly when we reach our 20s, we're going to find the one person that is all things. Come on, nobody's everything. And the opposing counsel says, well, what does that have to do with this case? And Margaret says, well, if you ask me, what she did was healthy and loyal. She didn't run off with somebody else. She just created a fantasy life because a lot of women would have just redone their kitchens and fooled around with the contractor. And the opposing counsel's like, look, you're giving me your opinions on marriage, but this case is about being deceptive. And Margaret says, this case goes to the legitimacy of her commitment when she got married. And I am telling you, and then she stops and turns to the judge and is like, may I speak? And Judge Walsh is like, as if I could stop you. And I was like, this is a weird, like she was speaking. Yeah, I was like, just like, all right, Walsh. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. It's also weird that she stopped to check if she well, could speak when she was I already wonder, speaking. I wonder whether this is just like, it's just a, a writing trick yeah. to be like, let's just have a dig at the lesbian feminist. For having too for, many opinions. For, for, for being opinionated. Yeah, maybe. Like, so let's have her stop and then have Walsh be like, as if I could stop you, you like firebrand. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I, and it's just, it makes no fucking sense, like you say, but it's yeah. to like drum home that kind of yeah it's just a drum home this kind of like oh aren't feminists the worst don't they just go on (laughs) and on on. yeah I know it's like but Margaret says like basically she thinks marriage would enjoy a much better success rate if everybody approached it in that pragmatic way that she did and her words start to become really echoey and Ali is like itching frantically at her yeah she's like she's allergic to something she's scratching her neck like she's had an allergic reaction yeah so next scene Richard's gone to the doctor it's like Richard's day out to the doctor um, <laughs> to get some Viagra. Um, so he's asking about how you take it and like how it works and does it just wait for me or does it like a toaster? And the doctor is great because he's just super deadpan so the dead whole pad, way through. Yeah. And he's like, it does not produce spontaneous erections. It must be accompanied by a sexual stimulus. And Richard's like, oh, because me, I mean, a cute poodle and, well, bygones. Any side effects? And the doc goes... For you or the poodle. <laughs> and Richard's like, funny, have you ever thought of making a living as a comedian? Or And the doctor's like, a small percentage of men may experience headache, nausea, facial flushing, diarrhea, or urinary tract, ur- urinary tract infections. Um, and he's like, you shouldn't have any problems. Uh, give us the name of your pharmacy. We'll call in the prescription. And the Richard gets up and is like, thanks. Uh, and truthfully, you really, you really are a funny guy. And he laughs and the doctor's just... <laughs> like, just doesn't react. 
I mean, deadpan doctor. I don't know whether this is like doctor deadpan. Just <laughs> I don't know whether this is just like a American healthcare thing, but I'm shocked that the doctor prescribed him Viagra after there's only been like one incident. Like you know what I mean? Like well, he it's had a different thing. trouble once. And he's gone to the doctor and the doctor has given him Viagra straight away. Yeah, they the healthcare... I mean, I'm sure... I didn't actually have to use a lot of healthcare when I was there, but I definitely got the sense that it was a far more... Because of the way it's set up, it's a far more consumer-based system. So it's As like, in, I want you this. can go to the doctors and say, I've seen this on TV, I think it will work for my symptoms. I think the doctors obviously check to make sure that you think they think you're suffering from like it will help yeah Um, or it won't hurt you yeah yeah but um i do there's a lot more because often friends of mine in america when i have a problem they come up to me and be like why don't you just ask for this medicine and i'm like because that's not usually how it goes in the nhs you go there and say i've got these symptoms and then then they tell you what they think is right you can what i've learned from america is you can push back and be like actually i think i'd prefer this brand or yes. this type I want to but try they're this. under no obligation to like Provide do it just it. because you say you yeah. want it they will go with what they think is the best thing because the NHS is a completely different system it is completely different um, I was just it was just I think if this was in Britain if Richard went to the doctors they'd be like well let's just you know it's been yeah. one time Yeah, this is not yet a pattern yeah. of like you know erectile dysfunction no you can definitely be like i want this please and they'll go okay let's just check symptoms yeah that seems to be like the condition that this is built for doesn't seem you've got any contraindications fine because you're paying for it yeah and whereas we the nhs is funded by our taxes and they nhs have certain medications that they approve based on costs and evidence. Mm. Um, so if you say, I want this brand, yeah, and they're like, they they'll be like, got... that's too expensive. Like, that's not been signed off because there's this much cheaper medicine that does the same thing. Yeah, and, and also if there's no, if there's, it, it, it is very much based on, like, evidence-based, yeah. like, results yeah. as to what they'll yeah. recommend as well. Yeah. So if they've not got any data around that medication because yeah, no totally. yeah. trials have been done, yeah. then they're not going to So it is it. much yeah. more kind of consumer-based yeah. than we're used to. So yeah. yeah, it is different. But yeah, so then Ali is at home on the sofa, staring, kind of staring into space as Vonda starts singing Dulcinea from the musical The Man of La Mancha. And I think they've mentioned that song before in okay. Ali McBeal, Dulcinea. Um, but we hear the verse, but we don't hear the chorus. Mm. Um, so Renee comes into the apartment and she kind of stops and she's looking at Ali, who's continuing to stare in space. And Renee's like, Ali, what, what are you doing? And Ali's like, what are you doing here? And Renee's like, well, the biscuit called me. He's worried about you. And, and so am I. And she comes forward, like, approaches her slowly. And Ali's like, everything I ever believed in. And Renee sits down and is like, what's wrong? And he's like, my mother never loved my father. They're still together. She never loved him. When I was three and he was away, one night I, I got up in the middle of the night because my ear hurt. And I walked into my parents' bedroom and 
And she was there with a man I'd never seen before. And that was the day that I started pretending, Renee. People want to know why I'm able to romanticize love into this big illusion. It's 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 cause I It's cause I got an early start. Maybe it is just sex and joint checking accounts and liking the same movies. No. kind of gives this like rueful smile and she gets up and she leaves and Renee is left like just clutching her forehead being like oh god like what am I gonna do like yeah, yeah. I think <clears throat> I think we've been here before with Ali mm. um and I think clearly like about uh, like some something triggers like a big bout of depression yeah and and often and I, I feel like it's not her singledom that, that triggers this. I think it's when she realises that being in a relationship isn't the cure-all. No. Like, that the root of her depression actually runs deeper than yeah. just her relationship status. Yeah. And I think, like... Yeah, and I just feel sorry for her. Yeah. I really do. I mainly feel sorry for her because she's not getting the help she needs... No. ...to, to, to deal with... To cope with the, this. ...what's caused these episodes and i feel like whenever we've seen her in therapy she's not talking no, not about the bit. big thing yeah we're not talking about the fact that she fit and the thing is how does she know her mum never loved her father is that something that her mother has said to her no or is something it something she's that she's interpreted because actually if her mother has never said that then how does she know no like and well i think she's like how could she when she slept with another man yeah and it's just and it's like, like love's way more complicated, more complicated than, that. than that and i just feel like and how does she know that there wasn't a reason like what did he do that meant yeah that she felt, you know like rather than you know sort of casting her father as the victim and her mother as the, the villain, villain you yeah. know like it's a really like that's too binary. It's too like black and white. Well, it's that's quite so an immature, immature. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I just feel like in therapy, we never see her dive into this stuff. No, it's we all about oh, do I love Billy or not? Yeah, yeah. or just uh, and like you know, dead sister. Where where is that therapy around the fact that she lost her siblings? So I don't young? believe she lost. Like, her siblings. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I'm calling bullshit. Yeah. But it's just that thing of like, no, your depression does not come from your relationship status. I think it exacerbates it. Yeah. But because, but only because you have such toxic beliefs around yeah. that stuff. Yeah, totally. But yeah. So Elaine is on the phone um, as Billy comes up in the background and Elaine on the phone is like, is she coming? And she's okay to close? Okay. And she puts the phone down and then she says to Billy, they found Ali, she's at home. And Billy's like, well, what's going on? And Elaine's like, I really think she's cracking up this time. It's a great 
great talks yeah. around this. Great stuff, guys. <laughs> so Billy and Elaine like walk out of shot, and then Ling and Nell come out of uh, their office, or I think it's Nell's office. Um, and Nell's going, so nothing happened because they're talking about Ling yeah. and Richard. And Ling's like, well, if it did, it didn't happen to me. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> and then Richard comes up, and he's like, Ling, sausage, hot dog, foot long, still in a second. <laughs> They walk off, and then Richard pushes her against the bookshelf, and he's like, Ling, I'd like a rematch. And Ling's like, Richard, don't worry about it. And Richard's like, Ling, guys, do worry about this. It's all we worry about. (laughs) You know, I was thrown off guard by the waiver. I'd like a second chance. And Ling's like, sweetie, this is really a blessing. I really don't crave sex, and you're no good at it. We could be a perfect match. And Richard's like, uh, Ling, you didn't see the real me. And Ling's like, Richard, I didn't see anything and Richard's like (laughs) and he blows on his fingers and Ling's like and he reaches for her knee pit and he's like now there's something because she's like knee pit knee pit like magic knee pit and Richard's like one more chance and then he pulls his hand away and he's like oh I never go near your knee pit again and he walks (laughs) off and Ling's like (laughs) (laughs) so at the courthouse, the opposing counsel was giving her closing and saying that it wasn't about love, it was only about fraud. She made a false representation. He relied on that to his financial and emotional detriment. It's time the law stepped in to offer these victims some con- put some protection. It's time. And sits down. And then while she's like, Ms. McBeal, and she doesn't move, and we hear clapping, like echoey yeah. clapping again. And then John leans over to, like, nudge. And she's like... Ugh. And then she stands up and the clapping stops. Yeah. Back in the room. Um, And she's like, she's being prosecuted for fraud. And then we see Billy come in in the background and he sits down in the stall. Why is he here? Like, I think it never comes to anything. No, I know. So he just randomly decides to show up. I mean, I think it's because he overheard the conversation with Elaine and said that she's going to the courthouse and he's worried about her because obviously he heard Renee come in being like, oh, I don't know what to do, I'm worried. Then that she went missing and then it was like... him? I mean, I know, I don't know. He's just decided that, yeah. That's really weird. Um, so Ali continues. I don't think Ali even notices No, that he's there. I think it's such I think it's just a, a check on her, I suppose. Moment. Anyway, yeah. Um, so... She continues and says, um, because she married somebody who in truth wasn't the man of her dreams. And she says, well, we're going to need to begin building more prisons if we start arresting people for this one. And she says, I suppose the real fraud is this mindset that's been ingrained in us since childhood that people get the person of their dreams because most don't. Does that mean that she shouldn't have married anyone? Does that mean that she doesn't have the right to commit herself to a man she nevertheless loves? And she was committed. She didn't leave. She wasn't unfaithful. Unless you count the dreams. And if you start criminalising a person for their fantasies, well, it would be like living in Alabama. And I was like, eh? Like, yeah. is that something they do in Alabama? Like, maybe there was like a high profile... <laughs> dream case. Court case that was going on in Alabama. Maybe. Or a law passed It was Alabama. a reference that went over my head. Anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, so she said, I've spent my entire life doing what she's done, loving someone I've never met, loving someone that's not there. I've got a rough idea of what he looks like. I've got a more specific take on what he thinks and what he feels. And I have an almost exact sense of how he makes me feel. And I've never met him. I may never even meet him. And I've been told he's not even out there. The men or women in our dreams live in our dreams. And in the real world, we should be allowed to settle for the ones who come close. And that's what she did. And it was the reasonable thing to do. 
And she sits down and then Barry looks confused in the stalls. Yes. I mean, do like you... as if something she said has got through to him. Yeah. I mean, did you notice how she had to kind of take a pause when she was like, and it was the reasonable thing that like it really yeah like she really struggles to say it was a reasonable I, thing I mean obviously this case has been a difficult one for her yeah it's been extremely triggering and she doesn't buy what she's selling no she which no. is always difficult oh she's do. yeah she's not her heart isn't in what she's no. she's having to do um so then Love Machine kicks in over the night Love shots Machine. of Boston, which I thought was John's song, but no. We're in Richard's bedroom again. Richard has corrupted um, it. He's come out of his, the bathroom looking like he's feeling himself. Do, 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 do. I'm just a love machine. Ah, oh, baby. <laughs> and Ling is sprawled on the bed wearing a zebra print baby doll set this time <laughs> with black marabou trim. Um, and Richard's snuffs a candle with his fingers because he's just that manly um, and leaves <laughs> eyebrows <laughs> raised like, and then Richard comes forward and jumps on the bed like standing over her and his robe comes off and Ling sits up with her eyes wide and she sees what's under the robe and then Richard dives onto her like, yeah. he's like I'm in the game I'm here thanks little blue pill is that a little purple <laughs> I, pill I, I don't, don't know, know. Um, <laughs> So it's a pill. Um, so then the jury are filing into the courtroom and um, it's Kelly saying that that didn't take long and John's like saying, well, I hope that's a good sign and um, they might just have dismissed it out of hand and he sort of says to Ali, do you agree? And Ali's like all spaced out but then she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah good sign, good sign. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it turns out in the Commonwealth versus Philbrick on the one count of criminal fraud, they find the defendant not guilty. And Kelly's pleased. Um, John's saying, yep, it's definitely over. You just have to check in with probation. You can go. Um, and Kelly's very thankful. And then Ali goes to leave when Barry stops her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, am I crazy? Two people get married. They should be in love with each other. Madly. Am I crazy? And Ali's like, you're not crazy, Mr. Philbrick, but... I'm afraid it might be our little secret. And she leaves. Yeah. So, back at the office, Georgia comes across Billy packing up his briefcase, his emotional support <laughs> briefcase. <laughs> I didn't notice that that's what he was doing. Yeah. Um, and she's like, are you ready to go? And then he's like, yeah, all set. And she's like, how's the eye? And he's like, oh, it should be okay in a day or so. And Georgia's like, oh, I kind of wish it would stay. It's sexy. And Is Billy's... It- is it our black eyes ever sexy? <laughs> well, it depends how you've got them, I suppose. But Billy's like, <laughs> Are you quite, he's, Billy's like, you're quite pleased about our little acts of mischief, aren't you? And they both look at each other and there's like this swell of sexy music as Georgia like licks her lips and they lock eyes and she goes to close the door and Billy goes like, to close the blinds. <laughs> Meanwhile, and on the other side of sexy town, Lane and Richard are lying side by side, panting. very sweaty, panting heavily. Ling's marabou trim is all damp, which I thought was really <laughs> nice touch by the props department, um, costume department even. And Richard rolls over and we hear the roar from Love Machine and then Love Machine beats start up again. like, And Ling's like, what? Why isn't it tired? Like really panicked. And Richard's like, what? Are you French fry? And Lynn's like, I've never had one out last me before. And there's this close up on their like sweaty hands clasping each other as Love Machine like fades out. And then it fades into John and Ali walking home from the courthouse. And John's like, 
trying to make her feel better, being like, it's just a case, you can't, like, personalise it and take it to heart like that. And Ali's like... <laughs> Except you did that I for know, her. right? <sighs> and Ali's like, oh, you're probably right. And John says that he's meeting Nell at the bar and asks if she wants to join. And Ali's like, no thanks, I'm going to go home, I'm beat. And John's like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, hey, you know, and she sounds really tired. She's like, congratulations, we won. And John's like, yeah. And then she kind of pecks him on the cheek. And John looks a little bit surprised at that. Yeah. That she, like, is still willing to kiss him on the cheek, I suppose, after what he's done. Um, But Ali's like, I'll see you tomorrow. And John's like, okay. And then John nods at her and leaves as Vonda starts singing both sides now again. Mm -hmm. Um, And Ali walks on and John turns back to look at her and then continues on his way and Ali walks home and then she starts crying as we get a flashback of little Ali with a snow cone and then it's back to real Ali and then teenage Ali with her friends singing and then back to real Ali crying still but she's like walking home Mm -hmm. and that's the end and that's the end of Fade to Black boom yes yeah poor Ali I know something's up yeah like she's now really spiraling she as the word i was gonna use yeah. yeah like it's um it's really sad to watch yeah i feel really because often you know we do sort of go in on ali and are just like oh you're so insufferable sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. but this kind of thing i i like she can be insufferable but i'm not i don't find her insufferable when it's clearly like i feel like there are times when it is her personality flaws that are yeah. insufferable. Yeah. And there are times when I'm just like, no, you've got depression. You, you're and not I, well. you I, need I, help. I feel yeah. really sorry for you. Yeah. yeah. Retrial. Commonwealth versus Philbrick. Yes. I'm happy they found in favour of the defendant. Yeah. Because uh, I think the case was completely ridiculous. It's completely. You can't sue someone for entering into a marriage with you with who doesn't have the exact same feelings or reasoning that you do for entering no. the marriage. Like, you can't ever know the true content of a person's head and heart. And you, that's just part of the trust, the, the the leap of faith that you take yeah. when you partner up with someone and you commit yourself to someone is that there is part of it that is a leap of faith yeah. that you trust, that they are going in to this with the same or similar reasons as you are. Yeah. And I just think, like, you can't... You know, you can only do... And also, like... <laughs> I'm just kind of like, you shouldn't read other people's diaries if you don't want to know what their private thoughts are. I'm just kind of like, that's their private thoughts. That's their unsheen, sometimes just what they're thinking that day. Maybe it's not to change. Subject to change. Yeah. Yeah, It's just like, you cannot sue someone for something like that. No. I mean, obviously, I'm on the side of. Queen Camaro, as I'm now going to call her. <laughs> um, she didn't commit a fraud at no. the end of the day. There was no fraud there. She did love him. She yeah. said that lots of times. It's yeah. just that love has many definitions and you can decide to like prioritise as many different facets as you want when it comes to choosing a life partner, but you can't insist on the same facets being what the other person has yeah. prioritised when yeah. they come to build a life with you. 
And I actually think Mar what Margaret Camero, for the most part, was saying was right. Like, she loved him based on enjoying spending time with him, agreeing with his values, wanting to have a companion for yeah. life, um, which actually is a probably a more useful type of love than those relationships that marry based just on passion. Well, it is, it's a more long-lasting type of... Like, that is going to last longer yeah. than, you know, just marrying someone For because, sure. you know, they're young, hot and... Got pecs. Yeah, sexy, <laughs> got pecs. Like, it's just one of those things where you're just like, no, there are more important facets, like you say, to a relationship that... You know, you are allowed to prioritise over and that, others. And to be honest, that doesn't mean that she loves you any less. Like, love based on passion is fine, but passion dies. Yeah. Like, what's left after passion is the real love, yeah. I think. Yeah, I, and I think... So to say that she was fraudulent and that she didn't love him, I think is just wrong. It's not yeah. right. It's not true. No, I don't. I, I feel... And I, I get, I get the idea of just, like, I can imagine that it would be hard to learn that the person you have 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 passion for and who you thought had passion for you yeah. did not. Like I think that that must be really horrible to yeah. learn. But you can't you can't sue, sue someone, someone for yeah. that. Like you can decide to leave the relationship if yeah. it's not what you thought it was. Like it's, but you can't sue like, for it. Like, relationships are complicated and mm. reasons for loving someone is complicated. And I just feel like suing them because they weren't what you... Yeah, I just... Weird. It's just so silly. Yeah. Like, and I feel... Yeah, you could, you shouldn't be allowed to sue someone over something you read in their diary. No, like. that's just silly. Unless it was like, I killed a man. <laughs> I was in love with a man for 11 years and then I killed him and married this child. <laughs> then you're like, oh shit, my wife's a murderer. No, I'd be like, this is in my diary, you cannot see. <laughs> Verdict of the week. The jury's back. Uh, John is guilty. Because uh, of what he said to Ali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like I said, you. like earlier, I find it really emotionally strange and inconsistent yeah. that he would have these kind of feelings. Yeah. When, you know, when it really he should be, like I say, it is most romantically optimistic. Yeah. And I just feel like not only, not only does he say all of that stuff but then he turns around and says oh no I didn't say that I didn't mean I just said that people make compromises in marriage yeah and it's like no that's not what you said yeah it's absolutely not what you yeah. said no. and then at the end of the episode he's like well you shouldn't take this stuff personally <laughs> you shouldn't take cases personally like you and it's just like it you made her. it personal to yeah. her like in the most horrible way then you deny it and then you're like well you shouldn't really take these things <laughs> Like, yeah, mate, you have just caused one of your best friends to proper spiral, and you're just like, you, you. How can you not? How can you? And do also, that? she's pointed out that, that he caused yeah, it, that he and is she's like, no, I didn't. And I'm like, you don't get to reject that when no, she's telling it's me. It's like it's one of those things where it's like you can't blame a person for someone else's mental health problems. Yeah, but I think it's that thing of like, 
like it, it him coupled with this case yeah, coupled was with everything. other like I think also the fact that last episode we had her do this grand plan to get back Greg only to realise that she work. was crushing on the escort and actually she would rather she'd actually quite like to date the escort and yeah. you know forget about Greg. Like yeah. you know I, I, I think I think all of these things and then you just had John was like the catalyst. Yeah. Like the spark that has caused yeah. this this like spiral. Yeah. Like I just think like yeah, like mate, you've really fucked up and you've then just told her that you didn't say what you did say and then you said we should take a person anyway. <laughs> She's like, mate. Really shitty behaviour. Yeah. Well, and it's one of these things where I don't think he's being like malicious no. at all. It's just Tim being oblivious. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I just wish he'd like switch his head on a bit more. Yeah. And realise. Yeah. Or just realise a bit. Like, yeah. just, you know, listen to her when she says. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've hurt her and yeah. upset her. Yeah. Like, fucking listen to her yeah. and take it seriously. Well, on that note, um, I want to give my verdict of the week to Renee and not guilty for actually taking Ali seriously and realising that this is, something's changed and she actually does need support, support. and help. Yeah. Um, because I know we've been a bit um, dismissive of everyone in Ali's life for like being like, why is everyone just okay with her having delusions and not realising that that could be a problem and that she needs help? Well, Renee has noticed that things are more serious now and she's worried and she's actually doing something about it by trying to like, you know, make sure that she's okay, tell her employers that she's worried Mm. um, and, uh, you know, just just realising that she needs some help. And I was like, well done, Renee. You've you've, uh, really stepped up a bit there. Yeah, she's got her her finger on the pulse and eye on the ball. Yeah, that's what you want in a roommate. Yeah, completely. Um, So, yeah. So, how do you feel about the penultimate episode of season two? Um, Are you worried about Ali, like Renee? Uh, How did you feel about Billy and George's Unisex <laughs> toilet saxophone. I'm disgusted as I was. Um, and more Al Green, obviously. Great, yeah. great episode for that. So, and a lot of like banging tunes this episode. Really banging tunes, it. banging, banging toilet stalls. <laughs> Um, tell us what you think we always love to hear from you we're on Twitter at Bygones Podcast we're on Facebook search for Bygones Podcast we're on Instagram at Bygones Pod and you can email us at bygonespodcast at gmail.com and of course please don't forget that if you really love us you can subscribe to us on Patreon and support the show for as little as one dollar you can get early content and more bonus content depending on how much you pledge and we would love you forever if you did that it really does help us in terms of making the show and uh making us do better things um or if you can't afford um uh to subscribe like you could always just write a review Oh yeah, yes, I forgot about those. Stars. Apparently they're good as well. Yeah, yeah, apparently they're good. Write a review on Apple Podcasts yeah. and uh, uh, throw read us some out. stars if you can't throw us any coin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's lots of things you can do to show us that you love us. Yeah, uh, which if... and we are nothing if not needy for your love. <laughs> oh, I just feel like podcasting is funny because you don't know what audience you really have, other no. than like the stats. You don't know if anyone's just like listening to it and thinking. 
Worth of shit, I'm never listening again. <laughs> or they like it. So, um, you know, let us know. We're all open to feedback. Um, so that's but great. But only good feedback. <laughs> no. No. Five stars or get the fuck out. <laughs> um, or suggestions for things you'd like to see in the future as well. That's also yeah, fine. I'm open to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, until next time, which is going to be the final episode. Final, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.